is this man? This man is not just a teacher, he's more than a preacher, and to call him a prophet would belittle him. This man is a shepherd to his flock, a servant to his neighbor, and a giver to the poor. This man sets free the captives, heals the broken, saves the lost, and redeems sinners. This man loves you and wants to speak to you. This man is not distant, but very near. This man is Jesus. I'm Keith. I'm Drew. And uh, this is Faith and Culture. Thanks for joining us. And uh, we're moving on to a new topic today. Uh, basically, we're going to be talking about who is Jesus. And uh, there are many who would probably describe him as, you know, kind and loving. And, and some of them think, you know, well, he's the perfect example of turning the other cheek and, and always forgiving no matter what. But today we're going to talk about more than that, because though I do not deny those characteristics about Christ, uh, they do describe him. He was kind. He was forgiving. But there is so much more to Jesus and who he is than those mild manner type descriptions. So today and for the next few episodes, we're going to be on the subject of, of getting to know Jesus the, the as the Bible portrays him. That's what we want to know, the Jesus as the Bible teaches us. I like that point right there that you made. Not some thought process into who we think Jesus is, but it's what the Bible says. And so we're going to really walk you through Scripture, especially today, and we're going to highlight those things. So if you want to grab a Bible, I'd encourage you to go ahead and grab a Bible and um, make sure you go ahead and read these passages as well and just see what we're saying through these things. So, And they're all going to be easy because they're basically in Mark, all right? So look at the first one with me, Mark 4.35. It says, That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, Let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along, just as he was in the boat. There were also others, other boats with him. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Who is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? They had a real problem. Uh, I heard somebody say one time when fishermen <laughs> are nervous about the condition of the waves in the boat, you should take account. So these are a lot of fishermen. And uh, in the midst of this furious storm, waves coming over the edge into the boat, and uh, it looks like they may sink any moment. And I don't know. I would be scared. But they decided, you know, wake up Jesus. Uh, he's the only hope we have. He's got to do something. So they went down there and they woke him up. How they woke him up is really interesting to me, though. I love what they said. Don't you care about us? And a lot of times, you know, we have this mindset of it's all about us. And um, they, I, if I'm sleeping and I'm in this nice sleep, because I mean, he's, it says he's sleeping on a cushion. That means he's in some deep sleep here. And I know that might be some... Um, maybe a feed sack or something like that, or it literally could be a cushion itself. 
that means he's in a deep sleep because all this storm, because it's a sudden, a squall, something that suddenly happens like this. Massive waves keep on hitting these little toy boats of wood is what they're in, these fisher boats. And I, I love how they come in. And I don't imagine it's just like, hey, you know, Jesus, um, do you really care about us? They're frantic. They're probably walking in there and they say, dude, Jesus, get up. What are you doing? Do you not care about us? But it's his response. I, I love how they woke him. If they had just woken him up, like I probably myself would have been waking up, taking that pillow, swinging it at him, like, leave me alone. But he wakes up, and I, I love what he does right here. He walks right past the disciples. Right past him. Right past him to what needs to take place. So according to the story right here, he gets up, and, and he literally speaks to the winds and the waves like he was scolding a child. Quiet, sit down. <laughs> and the winds and the waves obeyed. I want you to picture that for a moment. He just steps up and he speaks with authority and immediately everything goes to calm. You see, the question the disciples ask is basically the perfect segue into our focus today. Who is this? Who is this? I mean, they just saw him doing miracles. They just saw him doing all kinds of, of phenomenal things when they were on the bank. And now out here in the middle of this, when the storm comes up and he shows with a word that he has authority over nature, and they're all like looking at each other like, who is this? No. It has this kind of power over winds and waves. So that's the question. Who is this Jesus? Well... He's the real Jesus. <laughs> He's not the Jesus that, that so many people conjure up by just, you know, their, their ideas of this kind and good and loving kind of Jesus that walked around teaching people and, and helping people. Um, this is Jesus who is all-powerful. In Christianity, we call it omnipotent. He's got power over everything. That's who Jesus is. So while you're thinking about him being kind and gentle and loving and a child sitting on his lap, you got to also get a picture of this Jesus that stands up on the edge of the boat when he says, hush, the whole winds and waves. That's it. Because that's who Jesus is. This, this whole story here gives us a different view. And uh, it doesn't make him sound like a very mild-mannered man. It makes him sound like a very assertive person. And I think that needs to be in our, our ideology about Jesus. He is assertive. Um, but the thing I really want you to get out of this that you need to know about Jesus is this. Everything obeys him. Everything obeys Jesus. And we're going to go on and see how that translates into other stories here. Uh, now we're in chapter 5 of Mark. And uh, I'm going to show you this a little more. Mark 5.1, they went across the lake to the region of the Gadarenes. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs. Now picture what we're reading here. No one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. Hmm. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore chains apart. Whoa, this is Superman stuff and broke the irons on his feet. 
No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day, among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and he fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? In God's name, don't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, Come out of this man, you impure spirit. So in this trans, trans, transition here, he's coming to Jesus. And when he's coming, Jesus sees what's going on and immediately commands the spirit. Now notice this next part. Then Jesus asked him, what is your name? My name is Legion. Now that's not the man talking. That's the spirit that Jesus has just told to come out. My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. Now, this is a fascinating story in itself, but I just want to focus on one small part. My name is Legion. My name is Legion. During this time in history, a legion represented 4,800 in number. <laughs> now, I don't know how, but according to scriptures, this man was tormented by several thousand demonic spirits. I want to add something right there. This is 4,800 demonic spirits, correct? When they came to Jesus, what did they do? They fell down before him. <laughs> they already knew the authority. Yes. Good point. That stuns me right there. They knew who he was. Because demons even believe in who Jesus is, it says. But it blows my mind before he said anything the authority has been established. That's just cool. Sorry. Well, and, and that's along with what we're talking about here. Uh, you know, we saw Jesus whip this storm into shape. Now he's taken on 4,800 demons. One against 4,800 would not be good odds. Unless you're Jesus. If you're 4,800 demons and they bow down before Jesus in terror... And when we talk about Jesus in our life and we just casually throw his name as a curse word, that just stuns like, whew, that's getting me right now. <laughs> just the idea that. But but that's the point. See, yes. the point is, 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 that is the, yes. we're getting such a mentality today mm. about Jesus in one direction and we need to swing it to the other direction. This is not mild manner. No. This is King of Kings and Lord of Lords on the earth. And and so it wouldn't have mattered if it had been a million to one, because at a word, Jesus had authority, and even 4,800 spirits were subject to him immediately. So I want you to remember this. There's no power greater than Jesus. Too no many, powder. Too many people think God and Satan are on this, um, like opposites on the same playing field. Um, it's not even close. It's it's not a yin and yang. Uh, that's the wrong view that they have. And and Jesus and Satan, they're they're completely um, on different levels of everything. In fact, Satan's probably closer to us than anything else if we really stop and consider it. Well, you know, I, yes. I mean, if you put it in balance, he'd be he'd be stronger than us. But in 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 light of Jesus, he he doesn't even have an ounce of of what. There's no playing field for. Yeah, no, they're not even on the same thing. Uh, Satan has power, 
And you see it in this story. Uh, this poor demon-possessed man was trapped like this for years. He couldn't get rid of his problem. He couldn't get rid of these demons. He's living like an animal in, the, in a graveyard. But Jesus, with a word, and immediately he's all, as you said, all these demons are bowed down before him. Satan's power is nothing in comparison to Christ. Mm. Now, that is tremendously important if I want to know who Jesus is. Because mm. you know what? I, I, I like having Jesus as the one who loves me and the one who's, who's kind and, and, and is understanding and is like, you know, putting his arm around me and going, it's going to be all right. I like that. But man, I'm telling you, there's a lot of times when I need the Jesus that is in absolute charge. And when I turn it over to him, he doesn't just go, oh, I wonder what I'm going to do with this. But he speaks a word. He, by his authority, by the scripture and everything, begins to turn situations around. I need that Jesus a lot more sometimes than I need just the pat in the back. Uh, very important we get that. Um, <clears throat> so anyway, always remember this. Satan has power and he uses it to ruin lives. He tries to ruin lives, and that's what he uses his power as. But Christ has so much greater power than he does, and therefore, no matter what the enemy may do to try to ruin our life, God has greater power to transform that ruined life into something absolutely amazing, something that gives us a testimony that God is great, God is powerful. Well, it's meant for evil can be turned into good for the Lord. Yeah, yeah. I want to jump back a little bit. You talked about, I know I'm going to get way off topic here a little bit. Can we jump down <laughs> a rabbit new? hole? No, it's okay. <laughs> um, I just, you said something about wanting to live, we need that Jesus more to live in our lives, and we need to see that. I, you talking about this, and when we talk about being in, overtaken demonic possession in this in this man's life we have to understand too that if we accepted jesus as our lord and savior it is not i that lives but he that lives in me now and a lot of times we'll push jesus to the back of the boat like the disciples it's the last thing like look we're trying everything else on our own and now we're about to die and i think we often try to do too much instead of letting Jesus truly just be Jesus in our lives. And I understand we're trying to figure out more in these next podcasts what that looks like. But I, you mentioned something there that I just want to hit upon really quick with that. We got to be letting him always be the answer. We got to let him continue to always lead for the position that's ahead of us and we follow compared to us dragging him along or us getting into situations. Where's Jesus at now? we got to continue just to let him be that, and we follow in suit of what he's doing. I just want to add that really quick. And, and, and this may give you something to think about if you're listening to this podcast, but, uh, you know, this man was tormented by all these evil spirits. The truth of the matter is we live in a very spiritual world. Yeah. And there are spirits that torment. There are spirits that uh, try to cause you to destroy yourself. Uh, spirits that make life almost 
unimaginable and, and difficult to live. But the good news is, is you don't need a bunch of spirits like that to torment you and ruin your life. What you really need is that to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior and let the Spirit of God come in. Wait, 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 wait. I'm trading those spirits for this? Yeah. But, so, but, but those spirits are trying to ruin you, and His Spirit inside of you is trying to give you life and that more abundantly. He's trying to help you live in the fullness of what it means to be His as opposed to be a servant under the thumbnail of one who wants to ruin you and hates you. All right? So we're going to get back onto the uh, the next part. We're, we're in Mark now. We're still in 5, but we're at verse 21. When Jesus came again across over by the boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him, My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. Now, this story has a story inside of a story. Uh, so we're going to jump over that one because I just really want to focus on this little girl. So we pick it back up in verse 35. While Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, they said. Can you imagine that? Your daughter is dead. Why bother the teacher anymore? Overhearing what they said, Jesus told them, don't be afraid, just believe. That's a, that's a message sometimes we all need to hear. Mm -hmm. Don't be afraid, just keep believing. Just keep believing. He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, James saw a commotion. I'm sorry, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing and uh, wailing loudly. He went in and he said to them, Why all this commotion and wailing? The child's not dead, but asleep. But they laughed at him. <laughs> uh, after he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him, and he went in where the child was. Now, this is the good stuff. You ready? He took her by the hand, and he said to her, Talitha ko'um, which means little girl. I say, get up. Wow. Immediately. The girl stood up and began to walk around. She was about 12 years old. At this, they were completely astonished, which I believe this stuff. I mean, I believe it's, it's, it's legit. That's what Jesus does. That's what he can do. But to see that, I would be astonished too. I mean, that's, that's just amazing. But here's the thing. Why were they so astonished? Well, because she was dead. They knew it. If a doctor had checked her, he would have he would have said, Yep, she's dead. Yeah. But they begin to laugh at Jesus because obviously he's the only foolish person around here that thinks, nope, she's just asleep. But like I told you earlier, and want to keep reminding you, everything obeys Jesus. Everything obeys him. And because this is true, and I love this, this. This intimacy that we see here, we see the tender side of Jesus, 
We see that kind and compassionate with the father, with the little girl. But then we see this, um, this authority when he looks at her and he says, little girl, get up. And she immediately stood up. Listen, Jesus has power over everything, including death. He has power over even death. Even death obeys Jesus Christ. I love how Mark sets all these things in place. You watch the first, I mean, he rules over nature. Nature obeys him. Then he rules over the spiritual forces. The demons obey him. And now he rules over even death itself. Yep. And I love that. That's our Jesus. And to think that lives inside of us. And it's just like, do we try to muzzle that? That's, <laughs> that's terrifying. <laughs> we probably do. But what he just said there, is a, is, a, is a great phrase. That's our Jesus. There's a reason why we call this good news. Because that's our Jesus. That's the one. He's not the one that, that inflicts the pain like the demonic man. He's the one that sets you free from it. He's not the one that leaves you in the pain in the throes and the suffering of death and sickness and all that. He's the God that brings deliverance. He's the God that brings healing. Uh, that's our Jesus. So I want to summarize what we learned here, okay? Because these points are really solid, I think, about who Jesus is. First of all, as we just showed you, he's more than just a mild-mannered person. He's a very authoritative person or a very authoritative God. He's always in charge. That would be something it would be good for you to say the next time everything's like going whatever. Just look up and say, Lord, I'm so glad you're in charge. Because he really is. Uh, the second thing is everything obeys him. Never forget that. Everything obeys him. When we know what his word says about anything, we know what's going to happen because everything obeys him and his word is him. You want to say something? I do. Okay. You're chomping at the bits. Let it out. You said everything obeys him. Just want to ask the question to everybody, including us. If nature obeys him, if the demons obey him, if life and death is with obeying him, why is it a struggle that we obey him? Hmm. It's because we don't view him, that's why. We don't view him as an authoritative person a lot of times. I just think that just jumps in what we're talking about here. And if you're at home listening to this, understanding um, there's no power greater than him. His power is great. It's more than any problem, any spiritual power, even over life and death itself. Why is it a struggle for you? Why is it a struggle for us to obey his simple commands? That's just a good question. Yeah, and and... You know, again, I think you're 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 on the subject that's really good to understand, and that is, you know, if everything obeys him, why do we not? Well, here's here's a fact, okay? Everything else has no choice, but we have a choice. But when we begin to see who he really is, which is why we're doing this, it should make it much, much easier for us to choose him and his will 
and to say, you know what, what you want is a whole lot better than what I want. So let's go with you. What's better than to see nature, demonic things, and just life and death obey him? I should probably do it too. Yeah. I mean, the proof is in the pudding. Right? It, it would be a smart choice. It would be. Yeah. It is. Anyway, so those are the things we wanted you to look at. Um, hmm. I don't know what you may be going on. What may be going on in your life? What what's going on in your mind right this moment? Um, but I encourage you to let Jesus help you. If there's one takeaway you ought to you ought to have from three stories here, is he he he's got everything under control when you let him, when you give it to him. You know, he's got everything, and he can do more for you than anybody else can. And when you really get that in your heart, then you begin to turn things over to him because Jesus can take care of this. Jesus can fix this. Jesus can help me. Jesus can can give me strength because he can. Um, he can Don't do more afraid. than anybody else. Don't be afraid. Just believe. Yeah. Um, anyway, I hope that this episode was helpful. And if it was, please like it, share it. Uh, subscribe, help us get the word out, and because uh, we appreciate you. We appreciate you taking the time to tune in and listen to us. So until next time, I'm Keith Jones. I'm Drew. This is Faith and Culture. God bless you. Right. I'm Drew. No, you're not. I'm Keith. I'm Keith. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs>